and welcome to Literary Merit, the show where we tell you what media has value. Spoiler alert, it's all of it. Also, spoiler alert, we'll be discussing spoilers as usual. So here's your warning. I'm Ashley. And I'm Alex. And I will start by asking, what is new to you, Alex? I just got done working five days in a row, which again, for most people, isn't that many. But since I had the, <laughs> the, the bank holiday off, I decided to, to not get like my extra regular day off in the week. Because I right. wanted more money. So, <laughs> so I had five days in a row. So I'm a little tired, but I'm excited for the weekend. Yeah. Um, and then the last hour of working, I got an email that I had three poems accepted to be published, which I haven't had any Woo! accepted in a long time. So I'm super excited about that. Oh, awesome. You heard it here for first, folks. Well, I guess you probably didn't because, well, no, maybe. You're probably going to be tweeting about it later. So <laughs> I, I, I did tweet about it, but you can still go and like the tweet. Out. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I feel like that's it oh i guess i'll i'm so today after we're done i'm gonna go shop for books at powell's Woo! best so day be ever yeah all right any well, any I, occasion or just because you wanna so my new boyfriend wanted to go Ooh. to buy books and i was like i want to go and we were gonna go last weekend but we were all busy because yeah so now we're Stuff. gonna go today well that's going to be fun. That's a, that's a good date right there. Well, and I think we're going to go to the the Hawthorne one. That's a fun one. It's a, it's a little less intimidating. It is. And also <laughs> there's like a lot of nice little um, thrift shops there. So I was like, Ooh. oh, yeah. Um, my favorite shop on Hawthorne, I mean, besides, you know, Powell's, is uh, Flutter. Uh-huh. It's a really cool little store. They've got some vintage stuff, some new stuff, and they've just all got all kinds of really fun little odds and ends and stuff. So mm -hmm. if you find yourself wandering past, you see Flutter, take a stop in. It's Will it's a do. good one. Yeah, I got this gorgeous um, like vintage pearl necklace there for uh, $12. That's so language. I'm looking it up it's and adding so it to my pretty. itinerary. <laughs> and also then silencing all... my cell phone <laughs> oh good idea yeah they've also got like um oh gosh what's that really um tokyo milk like perfumes and soaps and stuff lotions mm -hmm. that's a great brand um yeah you should go there hmm. what have you been up to i'm um, actually kind of a lot uh unusually um because <laughs> uh what last the day after we last recorded i went to the state fair the oregon state mm -hmm. fair and that was a lot of fun uh got real sick on elephant year and <laughs> <laughs> i actually only went on one ride um i'm just not much of a rides person anymore i guess because when i was little that was like all the fair was to me and now yeah. that i'm grown i like walk around i'm like man all this shit was always here like what <laughs> Why did I not ever go to these other parts of the fair? Uh, so it, it was really fun. Though I, I got to say, I was so pissed um, because we were really hungry. Um, we went kind of earlier in the day. So we got like a late lunch at the fair. And uh, I was like, I don't know. There's, everything is just like corn dogs and turkey legs. There's nothing for me. And I was like, oh, well, there's like a, 
a gyro place. I'll go get a falafel sandwich. And it was okay. I mean, Oregon State Fair falafel is not like yeah. prime falafel, <laughs> but it was it was passable if hard to eat, very messy. And then like when we were about to leave, we were just poking around in like the last areas that we hadn't been to because it is an enormous fair. And there was a vegan food truck that I had missed. <laughs> they had like vegan tacos. And I was like, what the hell? That's not fair. How did I, I didn't know this was here. I was really upset. <laughs> um, but I've actually started watching a show, which I can't believe I didn't start watching earlier because it's been around for a couple years now. Uh huh. Um, have you ever watched Shit's Creek? Yes, I love Shit's Creek. I love it too. I don't know why I didn't start watching it till now. David is my favorite person on earth at this moment. Like, <laughs> so I, I probably have mentioned it on the show before, but it's one of possibly. those things where like it's so specific <laughs> that. You can't really be talked into watching it. You have to sort of, like, discover it on your own. Well, I mean, I, really, I knew for a while that I should watch it because, like, Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara are some of the funniest people on the planet, especially yeah. Catherine O'Hara. Like, I love that woman. She is the funniest woman alive. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, like, I couldn't believe it because I'm, like, halfway through season two right now. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I haven't watched any of season three or anything, but, like... I was so friggin' proud of the show for using the word pansexual. Mm -hmm. Like, the, <laughs> nobody, like, even when there are, like, bi characters or whatever, they don't say the word. Like, they're always like, oh, you know, I just like people or whatever. But, like, like they come straight out and use the word pansexual. And I <laughs> was, like, agog. So I love, I love Danny. It's just such a funny, funny show. Well, he writes it. Right. He and Eugene Levy co-created it. Yeah. I love that they're real life father and son. That's very sweet. He's so mm -hmm. funny, though. Oh, my God. Well, and the real life, uh, real life daughter is the waitress at the restaurant. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. uh, Twyla? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's his uh, daughter. That's his daughter. Oh, that's so sweet. Oh, man. Isn't that cute? She's really funny, too. <laughs> yeah, that is funny. She's, She's more of the butt of the joke, usually, but... Uh, what I really love, though, is how likable all the characters are, like, all the time. <laughs> yeah, they're all so, like, their their personalities are so extreme. Right. Like, I would expect to hate Roland, but I can't. Like, he's just too funny. Well, and I and I think everybody expects to hate him because I, I'm blanking on that the actor's name. But, like, he, I know. he's sort of, like, Roland is basically the epitome of every character he's ever played. <laughs> right but he's just so like in on the joke the character he's so is funny. he's such a jerk because he knows that people hate him right right but, i mean and his also... wife is i love his wife so much. oh she's the sweetest she's the sweetest person in the entire show but she also has her limits right i mean she's like, a human she asks, but when she asks um catherine o'hara to come speak to the kids at the school right <laughs> But she still just has infinite patience, you know? Right. <laughs> like, she's just such a good person. And, like, when she gave the, the coat away at oh, the... Yeah. yeah when, and, she, and she's just like, I'm sorry. I just... I don't think I, I would wear it. <laughs> she's just so dear and darling. And I just love... Uh, 
Alexis. And you're like, ew, David. 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 Uh, David. David into four syllables. It's amazing. David. David. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> She's just cute, man. She's cute. And then yeah, Stevie is like somehow like she's such a sarcastic monster but she's also like the most normal character she's so because well because she's the audience you know she's the one that's they're just like everyone here is absolutely insane like i can't believe what anyone is doing right now (laughs) and i love that the family i love that like david and, and his and his mom both wear only black and white yeah, because they're very bold. Yeah, I, I. One thing too that I just, I mean, I have such mixed feelings about the romance between David and Stevie. Yeah, mm-hmm, me because too. like on one hand, you know, it's like okay, he's stated explicitly as being pansexual, so it's not like any sort of like oh, she's like turning him straight or something yeah, like mm-hmm. that. Um, and it is unusual to see like a really effeminate male character romantically involved with a female character. Yeah. Um, and so that's something new and interesting to see that this romance can exist between these people in, you know, with this, it's, it's maybe a heterosexual relationship, but it is not a heteronormative relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's and cool. Then also- but then it's like, I want him to be like when that, the, the, the handsome veterinarian showed up, I was like, that's going to be David's boyfriend. Like I thought for sure, <laughs> but now. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. well, David gets some handsome short-term relationships throughout the series. Oh, good. Cause I don't think he's, I mean, Stevie at this, at the point that I'm at has been his only like romantic. Yeah. Involvement. So I think, um, they're, they're sort of, cause they get a little like awkward around each other. Cause they, right. Well, cause th- yeah. Cause she's like, I kind of want to have like a real relationship. And he's like, I'm too emotionally stunted for that to happen right now. <laughs> and then ev- and eventually they, they go to a place where they're like, um, we really want to be friends, but also there's this other thing. And also there's this guy we both like. So now it's a competition. Oh my God. I cannot <laughs> it, wait. That's like the, the finale of season two into the beginning of season three. And then, okay. So season three, this is a bit of a spoiler. Um, <laughs> there is a boy in season three that you will like as much as you like the veterinarian for David. Oh, really? Yeah. But just okay. in like the last episode or two. So I'm really excited. I really want to see season four. It's already out. <laughs> somewhere but i don't it's not on netflix yet so i'm like <laughs> i just want to watch it i love it so much uh, yeah it's just too fun. like i'd seen ads for it here and there and every single time uh, like a trailer came up i was like that looks so freaking funny why am i not watching well, that yet? and then i just did Catherine o'hara without so the thing that i am i know them for best is best in show right the, and, the christopher guest films yeah and they're just completely like like they they're so they're the stars of those films they're they're the stars but they're also the characters that they play are so strange but they're not like over the top they're a weird like they walk that tightrope so well but in this they're just like uh, turned up to 10 like well you know i think Catherine harris turned up to 10 but eugene levy's not really like he's actually you're you're right his personality isn't turned up to 10 but because he has to put up with these 10 personalities yes yes he's he's a bit of a straight man a lot of the time which is funny yeah, mm-hmm. 
which just um, makes him so frustrated. Oh, I love I love her and her wigs. Her wigs. And I, they just are such a funny couple because he is just sort of like a normal man. Like he's obviously very privileged and has that sort of rich guy attitude, but he's like a normal guy. And then she's just like this ball of energy and like hysteria and just like absolute <laughs> insanity. And it's like, what is this relationship? It's <laughs> And I love the way she talks too. She has like this it's it's definitely that like um it's so affected it's such a accent like madonna and lady gaga have where it's like vaguely british right just i mean it's just extremely affected like i am a fancy person voice (laughs) so funny david (laughs) david Oh, she's very, very funny. Okay, I feel like we could talk about Shit's Creek forever, but we should probably cut ourselves off now so we can actually talk about our real topic. Sure. I don't, yeah, I don't think Shit's Creek, Shits Creek would, episode. Shit's Creek does not fit the topic we chose at all. No, it doesn't. It's a really very different thing. Because um, <laughs> I finally finished watching Avatar The Last Airbender. Oh my gosh. Yay. And it was so, so good. Alex came over um, after we played Pathfinder. We watched all four finale episodes together. And yes. boy, that's a lot. Um, so obviously we just couldn't really stop thinking about it. It's sort of the most significant thing that's happened uh, <laughs> media-wise to us recently. Well, so... only in like the last 12 years has nothing really beat it out in my mind. <laughs> but... Uh... So we just wanted to talk about it more. And obviously you talked uh, about it a little and sort of generally in our um, Lessons Animation Taught Us episode. Mm -hmm. But um, we thought we would sort of drill down into a particular subject um, related to it, which is the idea of like cycles of violence and abuse and how violence is perpetuated like through people and through generations. Yeah, and I think avatar does a good job of especially the generational violence yes though there are absolutely um examples here and there of sort of personal violence perpetuating um but yeah so like to talk about this sort of generational uh violence i think that the 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 starting point you know you might say that it's like the first fire lord um, but I would say that really it begins with Fire Lord Ozai, uh, or no, Sozin. It starts with Sozin. Yeah, it starts with um, Sozin. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Ozai and Iroh's father. Um, because, um, gosh, why can't I think of Sozin's? O- Azulon is... Oh, is that, yeah, that's his his father, yeah. Fire Lord Azulon. Yeah, he's the, he might be the, yeah, it just, I mean, it just goes back and back and back. Yeah. Well, and, and, and a lot of, um, not necessarily viewers, but I think a lot of, um, characters in the world would almost say that it goes back even to, um, the element of fire. I would say that the episode, the firebending masters would, um, argue with that stance. Really? Well, oh, well, yeah, because we yes, learned yes, the true I, essence sorry, of thinking, fire. I was thinking of I was thinking of the the deserter where um, uh, Zhang Zhang mm-hmm. is all about like 
the opposite of the firebending masters. <laughs> right. But yes, you're right. You're so right. Um, so yeah, in the firebending masters where we learned that the dragons are still around mm-hmm. and they were the original firebenders. Yes. And, and the, the, the nature of fire isn't destruction. The nature of fire isn't, isn't violence. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's been corrupted to yes. be that by the fire nation. Um, but that oh, yeah. isn't mm-hmm. the nature of fire. And, and, and even in the context of the dragons, it's a tradition in the, um, the Royal fire, the, you know, the, the fire Lord's family to have its children go out and kill a dragon. Right. And that's just so fire nation. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. And it's, um, that was like a coming of age where it's the ultimate corruption of it. Right. And actually that brings us to, so, I mean, I I feel like this conversation is just going to be more of a web (laughs) (laughs) because that's how this all works because that brings me to, uh, brings to mind Iroh and how Mm -hmm. he is such a breaker of the cycles of abuse and violence because he chose not to do that thing. Instead of killing one, he learned from them. He learned from them and protected them. Yes. And and, uh, and said, I killed the last one. There are no more left. Right. Where did he come from, man? In this just family of awful people. Like, how did he? <laughs> so um, I don't know in, in, the con- in, in the timeline if he went to the firebending masters after his son died. But that seems to be his huge epiphany was my son died in this huge violent right. war well, that I, mean, I was the instigator of. He would have had to have gone to them much earlier in his life because, like you said, this is sort of a rite of passage. That's true. So he would have been a young man at the and time. And he, he, he had his nickname um, when he was attacking Bossing Say the first time. Right, yeah. This, this would have been, when he learned from the dragons, he would have been much younger. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think it does, it does probably speak to his, his spirit then, that he... Has he's just a like that intensity for for kindness and yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. with just an awful dad like Sozin, he still <laughs> turned well, into I, this good if person. We, if we have a perfect parallel, Ozai and his two children, right? Um, but the thing is, Zuko only became the good person that he is because of Iroh. Iroh did it all by himself, as far as we're aware. As far as we're aware, yes. He didn't have some kind of really good father figure there to help him. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, man. Iroh's just like magic. <laughs> he's just amazing. He's just, I mean, he he's hes the moral core of the show, which is such so interesting. Well, especially because day one you see him, he's just this goofy old guy who's like, he, sometimes yeah. he's talking about soup and sometimes he's talking about like, no, do the Music form night. again. You need to get it right. Right, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, I mean, you do bring up the the, the parallel between um, Ozai and Iroh and then Zuko and Azula. And it's mm-hmm. really true, you know, the sort of younger, more ruthless sibling um, expected to sort of succeed uh, where the where the older sibling is considered a failure. Yeah, mm-hmm. Uh, very good parallel there, but of course, um, Zula's probably even more insane than their dad is. So that was sort of a handicap for her. 
Well, um, and, and I, I really, we really need to talk about her because she is probably, in my opinion, the most interesting character in the whole show. Way up uh, there. Well, yeah, because I mean, um, it's clear that she suffered abuse from their father differently oh. than Zuko, but like yeah. she's. Mm-hmm. I mean, abuse is what turned her into the monster that she is. Mm-hmm. You know, she sees this abuse inflicted upon her older sibling and she's like, I have to be better. I have to be perfect because I can't be a failure like Zuko is. Mm-hmm. And then the only kind influence influences in her whole life, um, Iroh wasn't there because he was, he banished, when, uh, he wasn't banished with Zuko, I don't believe, but he chose to go with him. Right, and um, through most of their childhood, he was, you know, away being a general. So he just yeah. wasn't really and around. Then her mother was also banished. Right. Which and, is and a also, little more complicated than that, but, if, yeah. it, it, you know, it quote-unquote banished, so wasn't there. Like, You know what I'm so, so curious about is Ozai's relationship with his wife. Like, what is that? Because, so like, from, she's I such a good, yeah. kind person. Uh, it, it's a way more it's so more so much more complicated so i've only like browsed like articles uh, that talk about the comic that is about her um urza i believe is her name um yeah, and so i think that we should probably try to get a copy of it and we can <laughs> we should look into it because um i think that he their marriage was purely political it seems like it would have to be. And they hated each other. <laughs> yeah. And that so about right. she I think she she yeah, so the, the, the basically her banishment is so wrapped up and complicated and 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 it's like so confusing. So I really need to like sit down with the actual text and and digest it. Right. It seems like there's a lot there that just doesn't really come up. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that she in in reality, through the 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 um, the comic that talks about her, she's a little more complicated than just being this wonderful, kind mother, um, mm-hmm. because she's trapped in this horrible relationship with the most evil person on the planet. Right, and she sort of has to to walk a line and and learn how to live in that world, regardless of her personal feelings about it. Yeah, but yeah, Azula, she's broken i think she's so broken well she takes this abuse that she that you know comes from her family and then she inflicts it upon her so-called friends man tai lee uh you know she she's absolutely an abusive friend to them she's not really a friend she's like a warlord uh Mm -hmm. (laughs) that just you know likes the idea of these girls being her friends but because they're she yeah they're powerful they're useful uh, they make her look good. Uh, but the second that they have a conscience, she disposes of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, that was a great moment um, when, like, the, the sort of May and Tylee's conscience oh, and, and I feelings love, I love went the, out. The, the, the back and forth between uh, Azula and May, where she said, um, uh, Something about you, mis- like, you, you miscalculated. I love him anymore. more than I fear you. Yes, and, and then Azula's paralyzed, and she says, "No, or no, it's before she gets paralyzed." She says, "No, you miscalculated. You should have feared me more." Right. And it's just that's when I think that's the initial break. <laughs> yes. For her, because that's when it stops working. Yeah, she's losing her power. People are 
are are choosing other things over her and she doesn't know how to how to cope with that yeah mm-hmm. and then and, and and as as we watched it in the finale where she has that hallucination of her mom <laughs> um that's my favorite scene in the whole series because the animation and like that mirror how it's yeah. glowing yeah it's, it's just it's really striking it's and then she's just you know she cuts her hair and it's just a disaster and then her conscience is like appearing to her physically or visually and right. and then she she just starts weeping because she can't handle it i uh i think that there are also just really good examples throughout the series of like c- sort of isolated um you know other examples of abuse and violence being perpetuated oh, um I, I just thought of a really perfect one actually which one um so uh i forget the the woman's name but the bloodbender right hama yeah that hama. is that is one that i was going to bring up the way that she sort of redirect she's abused and so she finds a way to abuse innocent people in turn because she doesn't know how else to deal with it yeah and it's um like it starts off as her blood bending the guards so she can escape but yeah then she just starts anybody that's a that's a fire nation person is the enemy to her right and um and i i see such a great parallel between her and katara Mm -hmm. Uh, the way that Katara sort of chooses to overcome that. Um, She's got a whole episode sort of about it, you know, throughout the series, she has certain sort of moments of reminder where it's like, you know, Fire Nation civilians are just civilians. Like they're not, it's not this monolithic evil. These are people. Um, But then she has her big um, episode, uh, the Southern Raiders, where Mm -hmm. she chooses not to murder a man <laughs> uh the man that 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 killed that killed her mother well and then also even the leading up to her finding him um it's a full moon and she finds um the guy who has the current position that the right and she bloodbends him she bloodbends him and but she chooses not to kill him despite the fact that he's still a firebending or a um a fire I mean, he's nation. just as guilty of similar things as the other yes. man was he's just not guilty of that specific sin and that's where we really see Zuko shine too with his forgiveness mm-hmm. that he's learned. Yeah, well, that, um, that whole episode is is really important for both of them. Yeah. And and that's, you know, part of his sort of overcoming his own abuse. Uh, yeah, well, and, and if we think more about violence, in waterbending is such, so often um, protective or um, healing. Right. I mean, it's, you know, the even just the sort of visual style of it is based on Tai Chi, which is like a nonviolent martial art. Mm-hmm. And then bloodbending is the ultimate. The, the ultimate, ultimate violence. <laughs> yeah. It, oh, right. Because it's, it's. It takes away somebody's agency. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like and you're not just hurting them, you're them, you're controlling them. Right. Of course. Them, you or can you can just kill them because you can just. I mean, the show certainly implies it without ever having to actually show that kind of thing happen when Hama, like, drains the flowers. And it's like, oh, the flowers are dead now. It's like, yeah, you could do that to a person. Mm-hmm. Ah, mm-hmm. It's a really scary oh, and, thought. And, 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 and when you get to Korra, eventually you see some um, some corruptions of other elements. Um, I'm very curious about that. So we've only ever seen, or you've only ever seen airbending through Aang. 
And right. I mean, like he was briefly in flashbacks, but it's all just sort of the same stuff that Aang ever does. Yeah. And it's, and it's, I, I forget what, what, what martial arts it, martial art it is, but it's all about redirection and, and avoidance. Right. Um, there's a, an is airbender. Is it like judo maybe? I'm not sure. I don't know. Um, there's an airbender in season three of Korra who studied the, um, everything about the air nomads, but um, doesn't practice the same way they do. So his <laughs> his airbending is um, he shoots a lot of like air missiles in his techniques, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's very uh, violent. And there's actually very similar to draining all the the water from something. Uh, I really don't want to oh. spoil it because it's so. Oh, but I I understand where this is going, and that's really troubling. <laughs> he he takes the air out of someone's lungs. Right. Oh man, that's one thing. I, just as a as an aside, that I just really love about Avatar is the way that they really think through the implications of these abilities and all of the different ways that they would manifest. The one that I really love, especially visually, is metal bending when. Um, Toft invents it and she sees the specs and every metal bending, all the metal bending that you see, at least in um, The Last Airbender, is very like breaking the metal because you're sort of changing the small parts rather than like uniformly changing it. Right. I mean, there's a lot of like reshaping happening with like her making that rad metal armor and stuff. <laughs> it's so cool. Yeah. And, and then you have to assume that she has control over the magnetics of those two because she can crawl along the walls. In that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. This is, that's totally an aside, though. That's not what we're yeah. talking about. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I want to talk about the episode The Great Divide because we have sort of in the past talked about how sort of superfluous the episode seems. But I think that it's really, really um, a good example of that theme that the 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 theme of the perpetuation of violence because you've got mm-hmm. these two cultures who just have this history of violence between them this hatred that's being perpetuated to the point where they don't really even know for sure why it is mm-hmm. they just know that they have to perpetuate it well and isn't that um it calls back to Romeo and Juliet it calls back to um is it Huck Finn I don't think so. I don't the, know what the, aspect of the, it. The, the someone, the McCoys and the... Oh, well, that has... The Hatfields and the McCoys aren't, aren't in Huck Finn. That was just real life. Okay. Well, anyway, <laughs> whatever whatever that, that thing was. Yeah, it was just the feud between the Hatfields and the McCoys. But yeah, I mean, this is there's a storied tradition of, like, two powerful groups who hate each other just because they always have. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But so like, yeah, maybe it doesn't further much plot as far as our central characters go. But I think that it it very early on establishes this theme of breaking this cycle of violence. I think you're really right, because from then on, you also sort of see, well, maybe not right away, but eventually the main characters really start to see especially in book in in fire um book three they start to see that the fire lord is not the fire nation right and 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 i think that divisions are not you know black and white yeah and and and, you know ang 
always has to, you know, he, several times in the series and, you know, by the end, he fully comprehends the lesson of finding another way. You know, it's not about picking a side. It's not about, it's about thinking, you know, more creatively and, and finding a peaceful solution to things, you know, uh, in the great divide he doesn't he doesn't pick a side he tells them that their conflict is unnecessary mm-hmm. and and that that all leads up to him saying i i'm not going to let the fire lord just do whatever and i'm not going to kill the fire lord i'm going to take a third way and i'm going to make him not be able to hurt anyone without ever hurting him yeah oh i remember the <laughs> first time i watched that happen i was like I have no idea what this lion turtle is saying because they put a lot of effects on his voice, but it looks really cool. And it's like, because it makes so much sense, but it's, it's nonviolent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's great. And of course it's, it's all the more sort of an interesting um, journey for Aang to walk because, you know, he comes from a nonviolent culture, but he hasn't learned all of its lessons because he was a child when they all died. So he, he's, he's got to learn these lessons, which would have probably been uh, sort of essential to his people that, you know, he, d- he didn't have a teacher for that. And he has to learn these lessons by himself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like, and it makes makes you think about the violence that he has suffered, that he doesn't let break him. Yeah, because he's a good boy. Because <laughs> he's the lone survivor of a genocide. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, oh, Jesus. The, the, yeah, man, this show has such a way of taking really big, heavy, like existentially awful concepts and making them work for a audience of children like how do they do that <laughs> right like, there's a lot of really big stuff that happens but it never once feels like oh man this is getting a little much for a kid's show like it, it always think, feels appropriate yeah. mm-hmm. i think the one moment that was the most uh terrifying and sad for me they they were so brief with it that it wasn't too much is when um Sokka and toff crash the the, the and airship I think for the second gonna time die. and you think you're, and he says i think this is the end and they're both crying yeah that they're was a lot crying yeah there were Ugh. a couple moments like azula's just like insane rage after she's been defeated mm-hmm. when she's just like lost her mind completely and she's just screaming and writhing on the ground like that was kind yeah. of disturbing <laughs> <laughs> I, it's disturbing, but it, I find it heartbreaking. Oh, sure, absolutely, absolutely. This is her. Def- this is not only like she lost the one thing that she wanted, which was to be Fire Lord. She lost the approval of her father. She lost to her brother, who she didn't think she could lose to. Actually, she lost to <laughs> Katara, but <laughs> both. You know, it was a team effort yeah. because that's what and it's she, about. She lost with the power of Sozin's comet. Mm-hmm. And actually that brings to mind a really interesting thought um with azula uh, you know she especially there in the end like she really believes that she can just do everything herself mm-hmm. and nobody yeah, can she, yeah. and and yeah. that's how you know zuko had to learn the lesson of like accepting help and and 
being in a team and caring about others and, and sharing the burden. And Aang had to learn that same lesson about sharing the burden and letting others care for you. Uh, and Azula just wouldn't. Yeah. And I, I love that the finale really, because everybody's separated in the finale, but Sokka's like, we have to support Aang because we know that he's going to come back. We know what he, he knows what he has to do, but we can't <laughs> help him with that. We can only help everyone else. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's really, really good. Um, so I, you know, it's maybe, um, maybe not, but I, I was wondering if you can think of like sort of other movies or series or whatever that sort of deal with a similar theme of like the, the cycles of violence and abuse. I couldn't really think of any because I was so focused on, well, there is just so much to say. <laughs> it, there's so much to say, and it's so, um, you know, there's so many different examples in this one, this one, you know, show. Right. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, I mean, obviously, Cora is a little off limits right now, but Cora <laughs> yeah, has, I'm not going to be able to help with that a bit. Very yeah, much. Cora, Cora is. A, it has to do with violence as well, but it's also about different political ideologies. Yeah, that's been my impression. Um, and how those sort of pan out. Um, there's definitely a lot of violence in there, and Korra is a little bit more violent of an avatar. Um, <laughs> well, she's not an air <laughs> nomad, so. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I don't know if I, if I know anything that sort of, at least as cleverly and um, subtly deals with all of these, all, you know? Yeah, um, one that actually it was sort of what put the idea in my head in the first place, um, and 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 I made me actually think about it in the context of Avatar. Um, and I have to give full credit to someone that I can't stop mentioning on the show, May of Nick's Fears, <laughs> um, has this really really smart video about it and how mm -hmm. it's actually about cycles of abuse through generations um i don't know how familiar you are with the story of it i know you're not that into horror Vaguely. I, I i looked it up because i was curious but i don't i know i wouldn't be able to handle the actual films right as it's, well it's, <laughs> yeah the the new film especially is really very upsetting but in a in a good way uh but you know i i love horror movies uh but yeah i hadn't it hadn't occurred to me before because isn't it like the sins of the father sort of thing? What it really is, is I'm, because, you know, it, the the yes. monster, I, I, I'm reluctant to say Pennywise because Pennywise is just sort of a, an identity yeah. of it. Yeah. Uh, but it is a monster that feeds on fear. Mm -hmm. And the story, it, it, it is a stand-in for the perpetuation of abuse through generations. It appears in this town every 27 years or approximately every generation. Yep. Mm -hmm. And the children are the main recipients of the violence and the adults don't even see what's going on. It's chilling to like, oh my God, it's all there. Uh, like, I didn't even think about it. She's a very smart person. And and yeah, guys, just go watch 
this video from Nick's fears because I'm not I'm not going to be able to explain it um, as well as May does, but I'm going to try to hit the sort of bullet points because um, I just found it fascinating. You know, everybody sort of has their own version of it. You know, it appears to them in different ways based on the sort of things that have happened to them in their lives that have made them afraid. Uh, you know, the the fear in say Beverly uh, comes from her abusive her explicitly abusive relationship with her father um, and her fear of puberty. Uh, you know, she her father, um, especially in the new movie, is is implied to sexually abuse her and to sort of infantilize her. He he hates the idea of her maturing and growing up and going away from him. And so she's terrified to become a woman. And so it manifests to her in her bathroom at home as a lot of blood and a lot of hair. Uh, <laughs> and that's just like, oh my God. Like, I don't know why it didn't occur to me that that was what was going on. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's just this, this cycle that happens every generation where this thing comes and hurts the children. Um, and so these kids decide to band together and say, we're going, we're going to, you know, stand with each other and not let each other be hurt and not let each other be afraid. And we're going to beat this thing. And if it comes back the next generation, we're going to come back and we're going to fight it again and, and break this cycle of abuse and stand against it. So you're saying that it is Avatar. Yeah, I think, <laughs> yes. They're basically the same story. <laughs> Essentially. <laughs> but it's just a really smart video, guys. Go go watch it. It's um it's it's super, super interesting. Were there any other episodes that you thought had um pretty explicit examples of, of violence um well actually one so we we brought up briefly uh the firebending masters but i think mm -hmm. that there's another aspect of that episode that's really interesting and that mm -hmm. is zuko's loss of power oh yes because when he, he defines his himself by his violence and abuse and when he's started to take that off he doesn't know who he is anymore he feels like he's lost his power and that happens the first time too in in book two, where um, he and uh, Iroh are living in Bossing Say. He doesn't have to fight anymore. He's just working at his uncle's tea shop, and he's he has a fever and he's sick. Oh yeah, the the when he's like starting to be a different person. Mm hmm. Um. And so I think that is sort of the 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 the, the beginnings the stirrings of of that change happening but yeah you're right in the firebending masters where he's like i can't teach you firebending when firebending's gone mm -hmm, because he doesn't because his source of firebending has changed he doesn't know of, how to live without defining himself by harming others and being harmed by others because he was taught that it comes from anger yeah, like, he, I mean, he was being groomed to be an abuser himself. And the most powerful person in his life, the most important person in his life, used it to harm him. Oh. Uh, yeah, and physically harm him. Like, right? Ugh. I love that boy. <laughs> they did such a good job because 
at the very beginning, he is such a stereotypical, like following, you know, like Team Rocket kind of bad guy. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And then, like, he he has a change of heart when he's separated and and is no longer um, following that same course. And you're like, okay, yeah, do your thing, do your own thing. And then he has a chance to get it all back. Yeah. And he goes for it because who wouldn't go for that? Well, yeah, it's what he thinks that he wants. And it's the easy way too. Mm-hmm. Because he he wants to be welcomed back. He wants he wants the scar to be gone. And he he wants to feel like he has redeemed himself. He you know, he he wants to please his abuser. Well, and and phys- like he physically wants the scar gone, but his options are remove the shame by going with Azula, or remove the physical scar by siding with Katara and the Avatar. Yeah. And he loses both by making the deso- the decision he makes in that episode. Yeah. You know. Okay. So the the show does you know makes a really good point. Uh, you know, a couple of times to sort of remind the characters and the audience that, like, it's not the Fire Nation that's evil. It's not all of these individual people. Uh, you know, they're they're just they're just folks, and and you know, they're not all the Fire Lord. Um, yeah. But I do wonder because there's that big episode, um, the Avatar and the Fire Lord, where Zuko finds out that. Roku is also his grandfather. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And oh, I love that episode. It's so a great much. episode, but you know, Iroh tells him like, "This is why you are conflicted because you have these two warring natures in your blood." But I feel like that's a little bit antithetical to this idea that it's like, no, anyone can choose to be good or choose to be evil. It doesn't matter where you come from. So it's like, well, then why would Roku's lineage really matter to that like Zuko is conflicted because he has a conscience not because of who he may be descended from I think it serves to give him something to to look at and see and and not necessarily like this is the reason you're conflicted but this is an example of what your conflict looks like yeah, I guess. I mean, I I suppose. I mean, it, it, as as per the show, you're right. But I'm. <laughs> but like, if we were to to break it down and 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 think about it differently, then it can be shown as like a symbol for his conflict rather than the reason for it. Yeah, it's just I I feel like it's a, maybe a bit of a shame that the that the show doesn't make that distinction. Yeah, and and luckily they don't like. It's not keep relying on. on that. Like, like he's not. He doesn't go join up with Team Avatar and be like, "Yeah, it's because my my grand my grand grandpas were hated each other. Yeah, and we're best friends. You know, like uh-huh. he, they don't continue on with it. It's just sort of like a great way to um, uh, show the the flashbacks and the original conflict for the first the the first time. Oh, it wasn't the first time the comic came, but the last time the comic came. Mm-hmm. And that also shows, like, how the Avatar 
and the Fire Lord, the, the past relationship between those two things. Right. Um, I, and I, I, I love the sort of um, the, the mirroring or the bookending of the sort of timeline where it begins with the friendship of Azulon and Roku and it ends with the friendship of Aang and Zuko. And like, you know that that's going to go the way that the relationship between Roku and Azulon should have. Or, or, or we would hope, you know. Well, like, like and, that, that was the, you know, Azulon like ruined everything by being awful. Um, but you know, it's like, that's, you know, that's what the relationship between the Fire Lord and the Avatar should be. And in fact, Roku and Azulon, you know, began as friends and ended as enemies and Aang and Zuko began as enemies and ended as friends. Yeah, and I'm just trying to I'm I'm try, I'm trying I'm thinking of the moment and I think it's uh, Ozai not Azulon. Um I'm thinking of the moment where Ozai decides to betray Roku. Well, Ozai is is Zuko and Azula's father. It was his father that was. Oh, sorry, Sozin, Sozin, or Sozin. Gosh, okay. So wait, I'm I'm getting these <laughs> generations all confused. Yeah, so it's so Ozai. So it's Sozin. Uh... Sozin is the one that was friends with Roku, right, right, who right, started, right. Yes, who, who replaced... annihilated the Airbenders and and na- renamed the comet after himself. Right. <laughs> so go back through my my previous statements and just control F replace with Sozin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause that's what I meant. There's too many fire Lords. Yeah. And they're all this, they're all blue or O's. <laughs> yeah. It's just, just names of guys who Azura briefly appear. So yeah. Sozin, the relationship between Sozin and Roku. Also, we have to briefly mention who voices Sozin. Who voices? Did you, oh, you didn't Hellboy. Is it Ron Perlman? I think it's Ron Perlman. <laughs> I mean, it very well might be. I didn't notice, but I didn't realize that Ozai was Mark Hamill until like three episodes from the. Yeah, it didn't even occur. To... I was like, wait a sec. But he, he, in my defense, he does very little talking up to that point. <laughs> yeah, and it, and it, and you're not sure if it's like the real voice of the voice actor or it's being like altered in any way because it's a really sinister voice, right? Yeah, and he's just talking very sparsely and quietly, and then and then when he's like yelling, I'm like, "That's a Mark Hamill yell." Okay, <laughs> I got you. I found you. But yeah, so um, going back to Sozin and Roku, to, they're together. They're trying to save Roku's home island, and then Sozin realizes, "Oh, if I let you die." all of the plans that you've been stopping up until this point are like, I can go ahead with those. Yeah. And I hate that moment so much because I don't know. I just hate it. <laughs> it's like the, the biggest betrayal. Yeah, it is. It feels like a very real world, real world political betrayal. Well, yeah, and that's, you know, that's one thing that I really admire about the show is that, you know, with all of these fantastical and crazy elements, people's motivations are always grounded in, in real behavior. Mm-hmm. You're, you're very right. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a, another good example of sort of the, this concept playing out um, 
you know, like a glimpse of it is with Jet and sort of similar to Hama, this like, I have been hurt. And so now I just have to hurt people. Yeah. Kind and of it's, thing. and it's, they have, and I think that that foreshadows the, the different political ideologies in Korra. Does it? Um, well, yeah, because we have Hama and Jet who are in a sense, their own resistance. Yeah. But it, but it's not like, but it's a corrupted kind of resistance. It is corrupted, but it's also not like, the most like you know it even to us or to me i would say that it's not as bad as what the fire nation does i mean jet is an attempted mass murderer true and but (laughs) but like their their intentions are good and they're so convinced in their ways i don't know i don't think so i don't think their intentions are good i think that they believe in their intentions but they're they're not good and that's kind of the point like jet has been broken by his hatred and now he's doing evil things thinking that they're not evil you know there is no justification for just drowning an entire village like there's no good that will possibly come of it but he believes Mm -hmm. that there will because he's a terrorist yeah (laughs) like he's just a straight up terrorist (laughs) and then he I don't know. He has a little bit of a complicated storyline that they sort of just end. <laughs> yeah, well, he just he he sacrifices himself for the good guys, and it's like okay. I mean, that's a thing that that guy can do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think they had much plans for him, so they're like, okay, let's kill him off, but not kill him off. Yeah, let's 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 have a noble sacrifice by Jet. <laughs> Yeah. That's sort of what that character gets to have a lot of the time. Is like, oh no, I've seen the error of my ways. I'll jump in front of a bullet now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and then thinking about Hama, I'm like, her story makes me really sad because she ends up where she started. She's imprisoned. Right. Like she just got broken by the system and she can't ever recover from it. And then they find out that she's, you know, kidnapping people and killing them. I think I don't know that it's necessarily said what what she does with them other than just like locks them up. Yeah. But I mean, that's enough. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And then they catch her and like, they're not going to kill her, obviously. So she gets imprisoned. Well, hopefully Aang shows up and takes away her powers too. And so she can just like live as a sad old woman. You know, that wouldn't be bad. (laughs) Yeah. Though, I mean, of course, then there is sort of a can of worms there where, like, he does this to uh, Ozai, but then it's like, so now the Avatar just has the power to take away somebody's bending, like. And it's not fully, um, like, solved or figured out, but in Korra, it's definitely brought up that that is not necessarily justice. Yeah, or that one person should not necessarily have that power. Well, sure, because there is that can of worms that it opens up, and it's like there are some really yeah. troubling implications of what could happen. And then there's also why uh, there's so the villain in the first se- season of Korra, um, his whole ideology is that no one should have bending <laughs> because it creates two different. Um, uh, groups it it um two different it, um, it sort of separates people 
separates people, but it's it's like castes. Right, right. Well, yeah, and I, you know, that brings up something that I had sort of wondered, and it's like now, so is it like are these different sort of ethno groups that are you know that are potential benders? Like, is it like oh, it's the Earth Nation ethno group that has earth bending like why is nobody born in the in the water tribe that's a firebender like what is happening there that causes that to happen and like especially as the cultures integrate more and more like what are we gonna see happen as far well, as who gets to bend what <laughs> what you will see in Korra is that um there's a, a like a a main city that has sort of become the the melting pot as you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot more variants. Um, two of the main characters are brothers. One of them's an earthbender. One of them's a firebender. Oh, cool. So they do like address it because yeah, it's, you know, with... they don't like really address it, but they sort of show what it, but it's like, okay, it no, sort of people can be, you know, yes. But so it, it does sound like it's sort of an ethno group thing, but then as the, the groups sort of integrate and, and miscegenate that they will sort of just mix well, and also, um, it feels like by implication, it's like, oh, okay, that's that's how it works. Yeah, and I think another really interesting thing, and this is a little bit of a spoiler, but it's not like a big shock. Um, you meet Aang's kids, and two of them are benders, and one of them's a non-bender. Hmm. Yeah, well, because so like, there's also people that are just not born benders. Sure, sure. I mean, and like benders just sort of like pop into generations sometimes you know uh i you know katara just being like yo where'd i come from i'm a waterbender (laughs) (laughs) the last one at the south pole because they were the rest of them were taken or killed oh and then i'm remembering uh, remembering in the southern isles or the southern raiders episode where it's the flashback to when he takes her mom but he said i'm sorry we're not taking prisoners today yeah that's brutal oh it's so sad it's really really sad oh Mm. well it's all sort of but but i i love that the series culminates in this non-violent decision um you know that that because i was like what's he gonna do how's he gonna do it like how it becomes this real crisis for ang of like Mm -hmm. how you know i can't stop this violence with violence that's not how it works how do i end this non-violently and and that's how you know he just he takes away the ability of of an abuser to abuse Mm -hmm. and and it's it's beautiful hey like maybe there there's some lessons um in our modern culture um about people hurting other people and being allowed to do so um and maybe we just need to take away their means of violence uh i don't know maybe like twitter like guns <laughs> yeah, yes yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> well it, it makes me think of so the way i envision a perfect bending world a bending society is that the elements are used for creation right. so we see the north and south pole water bending lets them create their home the Earth Kingdom, Same Earth bending lets them create their home. Yeah, and you see all kinds of productive uses for bending, and 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 that's super duper cool. I mean, they do all kinds of things. You know, fire bending is used for locomotion with like balloons and cool fire bending jetpack powers, and like <laughs> there's all kinds of really 
good, productive, uh, kind ways of using these elements. And it's just humans suck and want to hurt other humans. So <laughs> they're going to take their tools yeah. and make them weapons. You'll be really excited in Korra to see how they've taken the elements to modernize the world. That's cool. Yeah, that I'm. that's the main thing I'm, I'm most excited for to watch Korra is just to see the sort of progress of culture and industry that happens in the interim. It's really, it's really shocking at first, really how far they've come. But if you think about it in a timeline, like 80, 90 years in American history, right. things got really built up really well and especially in a you know it's like it's been a hundred years of conflict and that really stymies like cultural progress a lot of the time and where it's like okay now we're free to just like live and Uh, yeah we can learn these we can we can sort of take what we learned through these means of war and use those engines like literal engines to make you know to progress forward yeah it's very cool so so they just got they just had to break the cycles and and then and then life was allowed to flourish and that's that's avatar man. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> All right. Well, I think we've been talking a long time. Uh do you have any recommendations this week? Yeah. So my recommendation um is not the newest movies with Mikey, but one of the newer ones. Um he discusses Thanos. And, um, it's a good one. It's really a whole breakdown of the whole Infinity War movie, but it's mostly a critique of the writing behind Thanos and how um, it's really fucked up. It's super <laughs> fucked. I mean, if you want to talk about abuse, like right, it's... exact. Oh my goodness. Yeah, and I, I like I understood it on a subconscious level, but then as he's like pointing out, I'm like. Oh, I'm so angry at this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really troubling. And then, you know, it just really um puts a sinister light on all of these people saying like maybe Thanos had the right idea. It's like no, he really like, didn't for so no. many reasons. He's just a big fat liar who doesn't understand how population <laughs> works. <laughs> right? I love Mikey's breakdown of like killing half the population would set us back what? 50 years 30 years yeah. this is not how this works Thanos. <laughs> um yeah so definitely that is a recommendation um yeah so that's my recommendation okay i was hoping that i would think of a good recommendation because like i've already talked about Shit's creek i was just talking about that uh but Ooh, 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 I know, I know. Um, I just watched the first episode of the uh, series on Netflix, Dark. Um, I think people oh, yeah. to it a long time ago. I'm just, I'm just catching up with things now because I haven't been like sitting down and watching stuff for a long time. Um, but it's a German series. Have you watched any of it? I started it, but then I was like... Really? <laughs> That's what's prevented <laughs> me from watching m- more, uh, more quickly. Because I am the kind of person who has to be doing something while I watch something. I'm such a Gemini. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I like, I have to multitask. I'm always like, you know, drawing or yeah. doing something, scrolling Pinterest or something while I'm watching something. Um, and so mm-hmm. it's hard for me to like sit down and watch something with subtitles, but I refuse to watch the dubs because that is the worst thing ever. Like I can't. I don't know why it's even an option. I tried to do it because I was like, oh, maybe this will let me like, 
you know, actually be able to digest it. But I was like, this is horrible. Well, it's like, it's one thing with like an anime or something where it's like, this is just lip yeah. flaps. Like, mm-hmm. this is fine, whatever. Um, but when it's like a human mouth talking and then like a different voice is happening over top, it's just awful. And, and it takes me out of it. I can't get invested at all. Um, so. I- well, often it don't, don't with dubbing, don't they like actually not just translate. So yeah, they have to change the original stuff. Script, and- they, they change it to fit the, the, the mouth movements. Whereas in that i don't think they would actually do that yeah so, so uh, yeah so i can't i i've only watched the first episode so far it, it the other day i went to the gym and just put it on on my phone to like have something to watch while i was exercising um and it was great it's real spooky um it's real german <laughs> <laughs> um it, now i it's really hard to say where it's going because it's like it's clearly like um a sort of a detective mystery with like missing children and it's definitely got some elements of like the silence of the lambs in there with the like you know somebody's abducting these children and doing creepy things with them um but then we have this sort of implication of a supernatural element too uh, which I'm really excited mm-hmm. about, but it's just teased at. It's just hinted that there's something else happening, and I really, really, really want to know what it is. Like, this first episode really sold me. It's just uh, a question of me, like, finding the energy to sit down and watch a subtitled hour-long episode, you yeah. know? <laughs> All right, yeah. Um, it's super cool. So I, 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 I did think of one more recommendation. It's kind of like an obvious mm-hmm. one. Um, so... Uh, my boyfriend and I started rewatching uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Oh my goodness! It has aged so well. It's so has good. It? Oh, it's like oh, well, I I'm just it. curious about that new spinoff of Riverdale coming up. Yeah, but like, why when we could just rewatch Sabrina the Teenage Witch? <laughs> it looks pretty different. I mean, it's got as well, about yeah. as much resemblance to that show as like <laughs> Riverdale has to the Archie comics. Exactly. Like, exactly. But <laughs> it's not the same thing. <laughs> I've been like, so we watched it when I was over at his place last weekend. And then all week, both of us have been like, we can't watch any more apart. It, but but we both want to watch more of it. It's so good. Uh, yeah. Well, that's, I've, I'm finally watching um, The Good Place season, uh, season two, because mm-hmm. I don't know why I didn't watch it before. But <laughs> Will has started watching it with me. And so I feel like, oh, I can't put it on. He's at work. <laughs> so oh man last night we watched the movie red dragon uh because i'd never seen it before Mm -hmm. and it was a trip it was an utter trip to watch because like you know that's the 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 film version um with anthony hopkins and with um edward norton as will graham Mm -hmm. and uh rafe fines as dollar hide and (laughs) I gotta say the best scene in the whole uh, film was the scene where um, have you have you seen Red Dragon? I haven't, but I'm not going to at least. Not yeah, it's fine. Well, it's because in in the 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 TV show, there's the scene where, where Dollar Hyde um, abducts Chilton, mm-hmm. but in the uh, in the book and in the film red dragon it's not actually chilton it's freddie lounds um who is a man and played by philip seymour hoffman uh mm-hmm. and that scene was so good like the rest of the movie i was kind of like oh you know it hasn't aged super well it came out in 2002 and crime thrillers have really changed since then mm-hmm. um and i just think edward norton does not give his best performance 
Uh, he's kind of wooden, but this scene, I mean, it's Rafe Fiennes and Philip Seymour Hoffman. Like, yeah. just think about that combo for a minute and how good that <laughs> is. They're so good. Like, Rafe Fiennes is terrifying and Philip Seymour Hoffman is terrified and it's <laughs> really good. <laughs> and also there was a great line in it um, where they're like, hey, maybe we uh, try to talk to Hannibal Lecter about this thing and Will Graham's like no the last time someone tried to ask him about that he gave them a recipe for dip and I just <laughs> laughed my butt off it's a weird movie <laughs> alright anything else any last words um go watch more of the sneak previews or snippets slash teaser trailers of uh, A Star is Born with Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper. There's a couple oh, more yeah? snippets that have been released where they're like actually singing and it's like chilling and amazing. And I'm so excited. <laughs> cool. All right. Recommendations out the wazoo. Yep. <laughs> that does it for today's episode. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Anchor.fm, and elsewhere. Please rate, subscribe, review. It makes a huge difference for us. It helps people find us. If you if you even want to just like tell a friend about the show that does so much for us, more than you could imagine, it really makes a difference. And you can check us out on Twitter at LitMeritPod if you want to uh, argue Avatar with us. That would be really fun. <laughs> sure. Anything, man. We want to hear from you. Uh, and thanks to Jonathan Colton for the use of our theme song, Fraud, from his album, Artificial Heart. And until next time, remember, no, no guilty, guilty pleasures. pleasures.